0: Well, good morning. We are so glad that you're here this morning for joining us online. Welcome. We are blessed to have you. We are blessed to have everybody here this morning, and uh, it, it's really just an honor uh, to be here at church with you this morning. I'm so excited for what God's going to do today. We're looking at Jonah chapter 4, finishing up our series on Jonah there, and um, it, it's just, I don't know. I, you're not supposed to rank chapters of the Bible, but at least of Jonah, I think that this is by far the best, uh, if I'm just being honest with you. So We'll dive into that. Before we get started, I want to offer a little bit of encouragement. I hope it's encouragement to parents out there today because I have to tell you guys that there is nothing that brings me more joy than standing back there during worship and just getting to watch the sea of children uh, try to gator death roll out of your grip and (laughs) scream in your face. And I'm being so sincere right now. Like, I'm not, I know it sounds funny, but I'm serious. Like, to me, it's just an absolute sign that our church is alive. And I would much rather your child be here uh, acting like a banshee possessed than for them to be at home uh, and not be in the presence of God. And so I, I, I'm saying that from a sincere point. It, man, it made me so happy. I'm back there laughing. Uh, kids are screaming. They're singing on top of their lungs or they think they're singing or just whatever else. And I'm telling you, man, it, it's so good for me as a pastor to... Um, Just be a part of it. I walked in this morning with a little bit of a leftover migraine, and uh, I got to tell you, after just watching you and your kids, I'm like raring, I'm raring ready to go. So you're all in for it, and it's their fault. They got me hyped up, and now I'm ready to go. We're going to be in Jonah chapter four. We're going to start looking at verses one through three, but before we do that, we need to kind of look at how uh, the chapter ended previously in chapter three. If you remember, God sent Jonah to the Ninevites. He finally goes. He delivers the message that God wants him to deliver, and they relent. And it says, when God saw that they did, right, meaning they kind of relented, they repented, they repented, God relented. That's key. They repented of what they were doing. God kind of relented against them the punishment that he had planned for them. It says, when God said they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So pick up to start Jonah chapter four, and it said, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. (laughs) It's just like one of those things in the scripture, like, oh, Jonah. Like, Jonah, this, we could have titled it Karen, right? This could have been Karen chapter four. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord. And this is just a fancy way, when it says he prayed, this is a fancy way of saying that he yelled at God. Like, he was talking to God, right? Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to foretell or forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, it's pretty comical. It's really comical, especially understanding what Jonah kind of just came out of. But here's the thing. We have no right to be angry with God for being God. We have no right to be angry for God, with God for being God. And this is exactly where Jonah found himself. He was mad at God because God was exhibiting all of the character traits that make him God. And if we're honest, guys, we've all done this. We've all done this. Jonah not only questions God, but he gets angry with him. I'm gonna tell a story, and it's a story that I don't mean to make me emotional, but I know it will because, well, I'm old and I cry a lot. Right, but when I was uh roughly i think you know the six eight eight to nine to ten year old range every sunday we used to go visit my grandma katie at the uh, baptist home and it really like every time i went you know i loved it i'm glad that i went she was hysterical uh she had the way of just kind of lighting your day up a lot like children do you'd walk in and you'd leave just feeling better about being there but i was also an eight nine and ten year old kid and uh um kind of like a, an annoying one, uh, maybe what someone would refer to as a, a, um, a turd I know you 're not supposed to say that from the stage, but I mean it 's kind of like a perfect description of what I was at that age, and so there were times where uh, I just would complain about having to go like, i don 't want to go today, and my mom'm like, what, what are you going to stay home and do?' you know, I'd be watch the Chiefs game, or we, even my mom was like, we always went after the Chiefs game, because she's a fanatic too, right, if we're being honest, but she what are you going to stay home and do, and I'd come up with everything, See, I usually it was because I wanted to play video games in the quiet of my room, and not have to deal with anybody, right, and oh, we're just going to go back next Sunday, and uh, I had that mindset, right, but here's the problem with that, my grandma was 96 when she passed, um, and so Uh, One Sunday, I made the whiny choice of not going. I don't want to go. And my mom was like, you know what? I don't even want you to go, which makes perfect sense. Like, I just don't even want you to be around. Well, the issue that time is that the next Sunday, there wasn't a next Sunday. You know? Now, I was a little kid, and I try to be gracious with myself about that, looking back, because I was a little kid. And little kids, by definition, no offense if there's little kids in this room, are dumb. Like, we just... Again, part of the definition... Like, it's just what we are. And so I try to be gracious with myself about that, but I always look back on that, just really regretful about the stupid choices that I made to stay home and play video games when I could have went and saw my grandma, what I didn't know would have been for the last time. But I do remember when I found out that she died, I was reflecting back on my decision, and I didn't get mad at myself first. I got mad at God. I was in my room. I am just bawling. I'm yelling. at the ceiling-ish, like where the window meets the ceiling, because God was somewhere in that direction, I assumed, right? But I'm just angry and upset, and why, God, did you do this? And I can't believe this is the God that you are, and if you're real, why would you do this to me, and blah, 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 blah. And I remember having this thought of, did he tell you to stay home and play video games, right? Did he tell you and this is kind of where Jonah finds himself, where he, he's getting angry at God for something that, that he has no right to be angry with God for. And, and Jonah, uh, he just talks to him, right? He talks to him, a lot like I talked to God that day. He talks to him kind of like a wife would talk to her husband after he insisted that he could fix the water heater, right? We've all maybe been there or whatever the fixing thing was. Uh, didn't I say this would happen? You've heard that. Didn't I tell you this would happen? Why'd you take that apart, dummy? You know, didn't I say this would happen? I told you this was a bad idea. I should have just done what I wanted to do in the first place and left you out of this and completely ignored you and and went behind your back and got somebody else here. Like, that's what Jonah, I should have just never came to Nineveh in the first place. But then listen to why Jonah's angry. And this is the part that I find comical. And I know I just read through it, but this is why he's mad. Didn't I tell you this would happen? I knew that you were compassionate okay, I knew you were gracious, I know that you're slow to anger, that you love people, God, you're God, you love people, thanks a lot, God, for loving people, I know that you allow yourself room to change your mind and to be forgiving, all of which Jonah had just experienced, like literally just experienced, too many of us get upset at the, get upset because others experience the goodness of God, which we would so willingly accept for ourselves. Too many of us get upset because others experience the goodness of God, which we would so willingly accept for ourselves. And if we're able to look ourselves in the mirror and really be reflective and just be honest with ourselves, we can see that we don't deserve it either, right? There, I can't tell you that there have been too many times, I, I, I can't even think of one, where I can look back at the goodness of God and think, yeah, I really deserve that. Great job, God. Really, you know, got my star chart knocked out. God bless me. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not... That just hasn't really been the case. But too many of us get upset with God because he is God, because he is loving, because he is gracious, because he's slow to anger, because he blesses other people. And we get mad at him looking at that blessing when we would take that blessing for ourselves any and every single day, even when we don't deserve it. And we, we act like this. It shows our lack of God-like character and how lucky we are that God's ways are not our ways. Can you imagine, just think for a minute, if God had your personality? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm waiting for more chuckles. <laughs> like, just think for a second of what it would be like if God treated you how you treated other people. If God looked at you like how you looked at other people, right? If he was like, yeah, sure, he did a good thing, but <laughs> did you see what he was wearing today? <laughs> like, Guess he's having to go another size up in those jeans, you know? That's just me, just me, right? But can you imagine if we had that same mindset? And unfortunately, here's here's the issue, is that a lot of us want God to have that mindset when we are dealing with others. Don't have my mindset, God, when you're dealing with me. Don't treat me the way I would treat me if I was on this side, the other side of the argument. Treat them, though, God, like I would treat them. I'm angry with them. I want to just smite them. I want to I wanna take them out. God, do it for me, right? Behave how I would behave. And so that's where Jonah is. That's where he is right now. I don't want you to be God. God. Didn't I tell you that this was going to happen, that you would swoop in and do your God thing where you loved people and were compassionate and forgiving? And I didn't want you to do that. And I'm about to explain to you part of the reason why. This is something else to chew on. This is something that you're going to have to do some background study to really dig into and figure out. You ready for this? Jonah's anger, just again, before you you take out the messenger, just let it permeate a little bit. Jonah's anger stems from unchecked patriotic fervor. Do you know that? Do you know that when you're reading this story, that Jonah is just all Israel all the time? And his anger, part of his anger at least in this moment, comes from the fact that he is Israel first, God second. Nineveh, for those of you that don't know, is a city, not a, not a nation, it's a city. Nineveh happens to be the capital of Assyria. Now Assyria was foretold by Amos and Hosea that it was destined to be Israel's destroyer, that it would be the tool by which God brought Israel to its knees. Now, again, let's forget about all the bad things Israel's done and the, thing, the ways that they have displeased God and the ways they've turned their back on God to have to ever get to that point That would be taking personal responsibility, and who wants to do that? That's no fun, right? We would rather just blame God for what's about to happen rather than change our ways, right? But here he is, an Israel's Israelite, just nationalistic, loves his country, wants to see the survival of his country be put on the forefront, and here is this capital of this city that he knows or the, the city capital of this nation that he knows has been foretold by multiple prophets that they are going to be the destruction of Israel. You see, his loyalty for country outweighs his loyalty for God. Here's why I want you to think about that, because we've all been there too. We've all been there too. Maybe not at a national level, maybe maybe more of a state level or maybe even more of a city level or maybe, you know, just a small township. But we've all been in that place where our desire for the good of our living place takes precedent over what God is calling for us to do, to say, to be, to act. Our loyalty for God must always be the first thing even above our loyalty to country, which I'm not arguing right now in this moment is a bad thing. I think it's okay to be patriotic. I think it's okay to be loyal to the nation you live in. But I also think that God always eats first, right? God always gets first dibs. And so Jonah's final response to this, he's mad, God, you saved them, you're too nice, you're compassionate, you didn't do what I wanted you to do, just kill me. I'd rather be dead. I'd rather be dead than to see something good happen to this people group. I'd rather be dead. And so God, recognizing that Jonah still hasn't uh, reached the maturity level that he would desire him to be at, asked him a very simple question in verse 4. But the Lord replied, is it right to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? This is a, a really nice way of God asking just who do you think you are, right? I used to hear that a lot from my mom. Um, again, rightfully so. And she always tells the story of when she was little. My sister was really little, like really little, like three years old where this would still be cute. My mom was like, "Who do you think you are?" And she's Buena Amelia Hussein, you know, and and it was so adorable, and she kind of laughed, and like Brenda wasn't in trouble, so I was like, "Hey, this is good. I'll try it one time when I'm like nine years old." Uh, Who do you think you are, Seminole? It didn't go as well for me, right? Like it wasn't cute anymore. So that's a lesson in and of itself that eventually our lack of maturity just is no longer adorable. Uh, but but God is looking at Jonah here, and He's trying to like get him to see things from His point of view. To see things from a spiritually mature uh, outlook. And so God's asking him, you know, hey, just a quick question. And this is him asking nicely, hey, who do you think you are? What right do you have to question me? Like, do you remember the drowning? Do you remember the fish? Remember the fish? The fish came and it saved you, but you were also like inside of a fish that's not good. Remember that. And like, are you breathing right now? Oh, you are. You are breathing right now. Okay. Well, um, then just tell me. What right do you have to be angry about what somebody does or does not deserve? And Jonah says, "I know how to respond appropriately to this. I'll throw a temper tantrum. I will make sure that God knows that I'm really angry." And so we have verses five through eight, and it says, Jonah had gone out and he sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant. I'm picturing elephant ears in my mind, but there's no way to know that that's what it it is. Have you guys seen elephant ears? Because they look like an elephant's ear. Pretty clever how we name things sometimes, right? But just this big, leafy, shady plant, and it says that God made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant, right? Jonah's like, hey, God, this is more like it. This is what I had in mind, right? You do the things that I need you to do, and let's not worry about the rest, okay? So Jonah gets very happy about the plant, and I'm assuming that God like gives Jonah some time to get real happy about the plant. Like, man, this plant, you know, this is nice. Like, you know, like the old guy that just keeps commenting on things like, that really is a nice sofa. Like, man, sofa's comfortable. This is good material. What is this? You know, like, that's Jonah's, like, sitting under this plant. He's like, ooh, real leafy. Yeah, pretty sturdy. Nice shade. I don't even feel anything. So he's giving him the rest of the day to, like, love this plant. And then, verse 7, it says, But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun arose, God provided a scorching east wind, good word, solid word, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah is like a 13-year-old girl who uh, just had somebody reveal her crush to the boy she liked. I just want to die. Like, how could you take this plan away from me? Just kill me already right? And this is God using just the greatest object lesson in the history of all time to beautifully explain a point to Jonah that he was clearly missing. See, God provides Jonah with this leafy plant, and it provides more than enough shade. Now, this is the Middle East, okay? It's hot. I mean, it's hot. Like, there's sand and the sun, and it's scorching, and it's just hot, right? And and and. After he provides the shade, he sends a worm, Satan's worm, right? It, it eats the plant, and he basically sends in a wind that brings in a hot front, like, like you need a hot front in the Middle East because it's not already hot, right? And so it's just scorching. It's scorching. It blazes his head. This is the definition of sweltering, and Jonah goes back to his previous response, just kill me, just kill me. What well, I mean, what more could you do to me? You made me come here and deliver a nice message to these people, and they relented, and they were you forgave them, and how could you? And you gave me shade, but then you took the shade. Just kill me. Just shoot me, you know? Except probably not shoot me. It was just kill me. And then God asked him a similar question to the first one. A little more pointed to deal with the situation, but it says, God said to Jonah, this is verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Again, this is God being kind, trying to reason with Jonah, trying to get Jonah to see things from his perspective. This is not God like, Hey, see, look down where that plant was growing, and he opened the earth, and it swallows Jonah. Like, he's capable of that, but he's not doing that. He hasn't reached that level of frustration and and anger. Jonah is not yet deemed hopeless, and so he's trying to reason with Jonah, but almost immediately, are you... Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah responds, it is. (laughs) Like, can you just hear? It is right. I'm so mad. He said, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. All right? Here we go again. God slow to anger, seeks to reason with Jonah rather than punish him. And we have all been there too. A lot of places we've been today in our walk with the Lord, but we have all been in a situation where God is trying to reason with us. God is trying to, to, to allow us to come to the proper conclusion on our own with just a little bit of help, and, and instead of listening to what God has for us, instead of taking that lesson and, and letting it permeate into our lives and, and change the way that we live, we just say, you might as well kill me, God. You might as well kill me. What's the point? What's the point? In true sinner's fashion, Jonah reiterates his desire to die. And then that's when God says, well, clearly you're not getting this yourself, so I'll just spell it out for you, right? This is verse 10 and 11. It says, but the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? God's an animal lover too. Here you are concerned about this plant that you had nothing to do with You did not tend it, you did not plant it, you did not water it, you did nothing to help it grow. This plant was an absolute gift. And not only that, this plant was my creation. It's my right to tell this plant when to exist and when to die. And here you are, concerned about this plant, but just mere feet away from you. Mere feet away from you, there are 120,000 lost souls of whom are also my creation, and you don't care about them as much as you care about this plant. Too often, our anger stems from our affection being directed in the wrong places. You see, Jonah fell in love with a thing he fell in love with comfort. He fell in love with being served. He fell in love with, with, with being the one that was kind of glorified by God in this moment. Jonah fell in love with that. It was all about Jonah. Jonah. And yet, he completely forgot about 120,000 lives that were surrounding him that would have lost their life had they not repented and God relented of his anger. And too many of us are just like Jonah. We don't care enough about the lost souls that are all around us, but rather we are focused on how our lives and how we might best be served. And we fall in love with the things that make our life easier. We fall in love with the bigger house and the nicer car and the more money and the, just all of the comforts that we might have while we have people that are literally dying and going to hell around us. And notice, God didn't chastise Jonah for loving the plant He didn't say you shouldn't have loved the plant. He didn't say it wasn't a nice plant. He just said you care more about this plant than you do people, and that is not okay. That is not okay. Jonah loved the plant, loved what the plant was doing for him, but again, nothing to do with its growth, nothing that he could argue that he did to deserve it, and yet still he grew angry at its disappearance. That plant became his measuring stick for how he determined whether or not God was good. Hear that. That plant became Jonah's measuring stick for how he determined whether or not God was good. And too many of us do the same thing. My finances are great, we have extra at the end of every month. Everything right now is easy. God is good. I lost my job. We might lose our house. I can't afford to pay for this car. I'm having to sell all my things just to make it buy. God, not good. We aren't worshiping God. We are worshiping the things that He has provided for us that we did not create that we do not necessarily deserve that I can't even look at and say that I've earned because I know that all of the good things that have come in my life are gifts from a loving God from the things I put in work for to the things I did nothing for at all God is behind each and every one of those things he is the source of the blessing and I can't lose fact, I can't lose sight of that And you know what? Neither can you. We cannot afford to. Because then we start worshiping plants instead of worrying about people. Man, that was good. (laughs) T-shirt. We start worshiping plants rather than worrying about people. He grew so angry and distraught and upset about the loss of the plant and could care less about 100,000 people. I'm going to leave you with this. It's my last zinger of the day. We get upset about others receiving blessings that we don't think they deserve while ignoring the blessings that we have received that we didn't deserve either. It's a lot, but I'm going to say it one more time. We get upset about others receiving blessings that we think they don't deserve while we ignore the blessings that we have received that we didn't deserve either. Jonah is a hypocrite. How can he stand outside of this city watching and waiting? And why would he stay in the first place? Here's why. He was hoping that God would relent God answered my prayer when I was drowning. Maybe God will answer this prayer as well and wipe this city out in front of me. How silly a mindset is that? How foolish Jonah had to be to think that God would act in such a way. Jonah, upset at the blessing, at the rescue that Nineveh had deserved, completely forgot about the rescue he received just a week later. How small minded. How small of faith? How twisted and wrong can he be? And yet, look at how God used him. I can't get past that either. I can't get past that either. This is not... This is not Jesus. This is not John the Baptist. This is not somebody that's just on fire for the Lord. This is somebody that has run from him. This is somebody who's told him no. This is somebody who's told him time and time again that he's doing it the wrong way. This is somebody who has spent the majority of this book about him complaining and whining about how things didn't work out well for him, and yet God said, I can use that. I can use that. And the only unfortunate thing about the book of Jonah is that's kind of where it ends. We don't get to see what happens to Jonah from that point forward. But I have to tell you, I, I'm confident that transformation took place. That that Jonah came around. That That Jonah figured out, right, exactly what God was trying to say, even though God had to spell it out, so let's hope he got that far, right? But that Jonah reached the place where he realized, oh yeah, you're God, I'm not. You're God, I'm not. And he lived the rest of his life, I hope, again, it could be totally wrong, lived the rest of his life loving and serving others as he would love and serve the Lord. But whether Jonah did or not, here's what I can tell you right now, you can make that choice for yourself. You can choose to live and to love and to serve the Lord and you can do so every single day and every single avenue that God places you. And you can be a lighthouse in a sea of darkness. You have that opportunity. You can make that choice right now here today to say, God, I'll pick up my cross. I'll go wherever it is you're calling me to go. I'll say whatever it is you're wanting me to say. I'll do whatever it is you're needing me to do. I'm yours, I'm here, I'm bought in, I'm ready to go. We don't have to be Jonah. We don't have to continue to to learn things the hard way. We can take the message, let the message sink in, and live life by the message, right? We can do those things. I could preach for another 45 minutes, I feel. I don't know exactly what I would say, but it would happen, I'm not gonna do that to you, okay? Not. When I was a young kid, this is the last story and I'll be done. But I feel like I have to share this because squirrel and ADHD and it's here and it's real. My grandpa was a pastor for a long time. You know that. Uh, A lot of you know that. Really long time. He was at Macedonia for a lot of years and they had a, a missionary one Sunday night. And he asked my grandpa how long he could preach. And he said, well, sometimes church services in Africa, they go 30 minutes, sometimes one hour, sometimes two hours, sometimes three hours, sometimes four, sometimes five, sometimes six. And as soon as he let out six, I just said, oh, no. No. Really loud and audibly, everybody turned and looked, and I was like, Oh, that was out loud. That was out loud. I thought I was going to be in trouble. Luckily, it made my grandpa laugh a little bit, so that one I got away with. But man, I won't do that to you. I won't do that to you, but here's what I'll ask. I'll ask that you think on everything that I said this morning. I'll ask that you spend a little extra time today trying to weave it into your soul, so to speak, and to weed out the things in your life that make you look more like Jonah than like God. Because we don't want to end up like Jonah. We don't want to look like Jonah. We don't want to be Jonah. We want to end up like God. We want to look like God to the world around us. We want to be like God. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are, that you are a God that loves us, that you are a God who will relent against the calamity that we are destined for, that even though there are things in our lives that we deserve to have happen, they don't always happen, God, because you are good and you are gracious. Lord, I would hope, I would ask, I would pray that you would help every single one of us be able to hold on to those blessings that we have in our lives, to not let them be things that happen one day and that we forget about the next week, that they are things that we take and build a foundation out of that is one that's just built in thanksgiving, that's one that's built in love for others, that one that's That's one that seeks to to show what it is you have done for us so that others can experience the goodness of God as well. And maybe, just maybe, if they'll just relent a little bit, see, God, how you have been good in their life as well. Lord, our stories are powerful. Our stories are powerful. Not just the successes, not just the things that we've done well, but in the ways that we have failed and in the ways you have still used us through our failures. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us be a lighthouse in the darkness to the world that we are surrounded by this week and that you would continue to light that flame in us, not just for the rest of this week, not just for the rest of today, but God, that you would make it something that just is unextinguishable, that, that people see and know something's happening, something's happening. They are on fire. And God, something that just would allow people to be drawn to the flame so that you can receive the glory for who you are and for the way that you love us. We're a room full of Jonas who are trying to be a lot more like Jesus. Help refine us. Help move us in that direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and stand up with me now. If you are somebody out there that does not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, here's what I want you to know and understand. That God loves you. He loves you in spite of your imperfections. He loves you in spite of all the things that you think may disqualify you from love. He wants you to be a part of his family, and he wants to use you for the good of others. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, you need to come talk to me about that because there is nothing more important going on today than that than you establishing the fact that you need Jesus and that Jesus loves you and that forgiveness is available to you. Some of you know this, some of you know this, but your life has not been lived as if that is a true factual statement about you recently and maybe you're in the place where you feel like I know that God is my savior but I also know that I haven't been giving him the due that he deserves and maybe you want to recommit your lives today maybe today you want to step forward and say hey I love Jesus with all my heart and I haven't always lived like it recently but from this day forward I'm getting back on the right track Maybe you want to become a member of our church. We would love to have you come be a member of our church. Come talk to me after service. We'll talk through what that looks like and uh, just kind of explain some things to you and answer any questions you may have. Uh, but we want to celebrate with that with you as well. Otherwise, now is a time to worship. It's a time to pray. It's a time to seek God. It's a time to go directly to him. And we're going to do it right now.